Chapter Thirty Four of Peter Simple. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. Peter Simple by Frederick Marriott. Chapter Thirty Four. O'Brien's good advice. Captain Kearney again deals in the marvelous. I do not remember any circumstance in my life which, at that time, lay so heavily on my mind as the loss of poor Mr. Chucks, the boatswain, whom, of course, I took it for granted I should never see again. I believe that the chief cause was that at the time I entered the service, and every one considered me to be the fool of the family, Mr. Chucks and O'Brien were the only two who thought of and treated me differently, and it was their conduct which induced me to apply myself and encouraged me to exertion i believe that many a boy who if properly patronized would turn out well is by the injudicious system of browbeating and ridicule forced into the wrong path and in his despair throws away all self-confidence and allows himself to be carried away by the stream into perdition o'brien was not very partial to reading himself he played the german flute remarkably well and had a very good voice his chief amusement was practising or rather playing which is a very different thing but although he did not study himself he always made me come into his cabin for an hour or two every day and after i had read repeat to him the contents of the book by this method he not only instructed me but gained a great deal of information himself for he made so many remarks upon what i had read that it was impressed upon both our memories well peter he would say as i came into the cabin what have you to tell me this morning sure it's you that the schoolmaster not me for i learn from you every day i have not read much o'brien to-day for i have been thinking of poor mr chucks very right for you to do so peter never forget your friends in a hurry you'll not find too many of them as you trot along the highway of life i wonder whether he is dead why that's a question i cannot answer a bullet through the chest don't lengthen a man's days that's certain but this i know that he'll not die if he can help it now that he's got a captain's jacket on yes he always aspired to be a gentleman which was absurd enough in a boatswain not at all absurd peter but very absurd of you to talk without thinking when did any one of his shipmates ever know mr chucks to do an unhandsome or mean action never and why because he aspired to be a gentleman and that feeling kept him above it vanity's a confounded donkey very apt to put his head between his legs and chuck us over but pride's a fine horse who will carry us over the ground and enable us to distance our fellow-travellers mr chucks had pride and that's always commendable even in a boatswain how often have you read of people rising from nothing and becoming great men this was from talent sure enough but it was a talent with pride to force it onward not talent with vanity to cheat it you are very right o'brien i spoke foolishly never mind peter nobody heard you but me so it's of no consequence don't you dine in the cabin to-day yes so do i the captain is in a most marvellous humour this morning he told me one or two yarns that quite staggered my politeness and my respect for him on the quarter-deck what a pity it is that a man should have gained such a bad habit he's quite incurable i'm afraid replied i but certainly his fibs do no harm they are what they call white lies i do not think he would really tell a lie that is a lie which would be considered to disgrace a gentleman peter all lies disgrace a gentleman white or black although i grant there is a difference to say the least of it it is a dangerous habit 
for white lies are but the gentlemen ushers to black ones i know but of one point on which a lie is excusable and that is when you wish to deceive the enemy then your duty to your country warrants your lying till you're block in the face and for the very reason that it goes against your grain it becomes as it were a sort of virtue what was the difference between the marine officer and mr Phillott that occurred this morning nothing at all in itself the marine officer is a bit of a gabby and takes offence where none is meant mr Phillott has a foul tongue but he has a good heart what a pity it is it is a pity for he's a smart officer but the fact is peter that junior officers are too apt to copy their superiors and that makes it very important that a young gentleman should sail with a captain who is a gentleman now Phillott served the best of his time with captain bolover who is notorious in the service for foul and abusive language what is the consequence that Phillott and many others who have served under him have learnt his bad habit i should think o'brien that the very circumstance of having had your feelings so often wounded by such language when you were a junior officer would make you doubly careful not to make use of it to others when you had advanced in the service peter that's just the first feeling which wears away after a time but at last your own sense of indignation becomes blunted and becoming indifferent to it you forget also that you wound the feelings of others and carry the habit with you to the great injury and disgrace of the service but it's time to dress for dinner so you'd better make yourself scarce peter while i titivate myself off a little according to the rules and regulations of his majesty's service when you are asked to dine with the skipper we met at the captain's table where we found as usual a great display of plate but very little else except the ship's allowance we certainly had now been cruising some time and there was some excuse for it but still few captains would have been so unprovided i'm afraid gentlemen you will not have a very grand dinner observed the captain as the steward removed the plated covers off the dishes but when on service we must rough it out how we can mr o'brien pea-soup i recollect faring harder than this through one cruise in a flush vessel we were thirteen weeks up to our knees in water and living the whole time upon raw pork not being able to light a fire during the cruise pray captain kearney may i ask where this happened to be sure it was off bermudas we cruised for seven weeks before we could find the islands and began verily to think that the bermudas were themselves on a cruise i presume sir you were not sorry to have a fire to cook your provisions when you came to an anchor said o'brien i beg your pardon replied captain kearney we had become so accustomed to raw provisions and wet feet that we could not eat our meals cooked or help dipping our legs over the side for a long while afterwards i saw one of the boat-keepers astern catch a large barracuda and eat it alive indeed if i had not given the strictest orders and flogged half a dozen of them i doubt whether they would not have eaten their victuals raw to this day the force of habit is tremendous it is indeed observed mr Phillott dryly and winking to us referring to the captain's incredible stories it is indeed repeated o'brien we see the ditch in our neighbour's eye and cannot observe a log of wood in our own and o'brien winked at me referring to Phillott's habit of bad language i once knew a married man observed the captain who had been always accustomed to go to sleep with his hand upon his wife's head and would not allow her to wear a nightcap in consequence well she caught cold and died and he never could sleep at night until he took a clothes-brush to bed with him and laid his hand upon that which answered the purpose such was the force of habit once i saw a dead body galvanized observed mr Phillott it was the body of a man who had taken a great deal of snuff during his lifetime 
and as soon as the battery was applied to his spine the body very gently raised its arm and put its fingers to its nose as if it were taking a pinch you saw that yourself mr phillott observed the captain looking the first lieutenant earnestly in the face yes sir replied mr phillott coolly have you told that story often very often sir because i know that some people by constantly telling their story at last believe it to be true not that i refer to you mr phillott but still i should recommend you not to tell that story where you are not well known or people may doubt your credibility i make it a rule to believe everything myself observed mr phillott out of politeness and i expect the same courtesy from others then upon my soul when you tell that story you trespass very much upon our good manners talking of courtesy you might meet a friend of mine who has been a courtier all his life he cannot help bowing i have seen him bow to his horse and thank him after he had dismounted beg pardon of a puppy for treading on his tail and one day when he fell over a scraper he took off his hat and made it a thousand apologies for his inattention force of habit again said o'brien exactly so mr simple will you take a slice of pork and perhaps you'll do me the honour to take a glass of wine lord privilege would not much admire your dinner to-day would he mr simple as a variety he might sir but not for a continuance very truly said variety is charming the negroes here get so tired of salt-fish and okra broth that they eat dirt by way of a relish mr o'brien how remarkably well you played that sonata of Pleydell's this morning i am happy that i did not annoy you captain kearney at all events replied o'brien on the contrary i am very partial to good music my mother was a great performer i recollect once she was performing a piece on the piano in which she had to imitate a thunderstorm so admirably did she hit it off that when we went to tea all the cream was turned sour as well as three casks of beer in the cellar in this assertion mr phillott could contain himself no longer he burst out into a loud laugh and having a glass of wine to his lips spattered it all over the table and over me who unfortunately was opposite to him i really beg pardon captain kearney but the idea of such an expensive talent was too amusing will you permit me to ask you a question as there could not have been thunder without lightning were any people killed at the same time by the electric fluid of the piano no sir replied captain kearney very angrily but her performance electrified us which was something like it perhaps mr phillott as you lost your last glass of wine you will allow me to take another with you with great pleasure replied the first lieutenant who perceived that he had gone far enough well gentlemen said the captain we shall soon be in the land of plenty i shall cruise a fortnight more and then join the admiral at jamaica we must make out our dispatch relative to the cutting out of the sylvia that was the name of the privateer brig and i am happy to say that i shall feel it my duty to make honourable mention of all the party present steward coffee the first lieutenant o'brien and i bowed to this flattering avowal on the part of the captain as for myself i felt delighted the idea of my name being mentioned in the gazette and the pleasure that it would give to my father and mother mantled the blood in my cheeks till i was as red as a turkey-cock cousin simple said the captain good-naturedly you have no occasion to blush your conduct deserves it and you are indebted to mr phillott for having made me acquainted with your gallantry coffee was soon over and i was glad to leave the cabin and be alone that i might compose my perturbed mind i felt too happy i did not however say a word to my messmates as it might have created feelings of envy or ill-will o'brien gave me a caution not to do so when i met him afterwards 
so that I was very glad that I had been so circumspect. End of chapter 34